On this week's episode, we welcome Lieutenant Governor Winsome Sears and Dr. Ben Carson. Lieutenant Governor Sears, um, you know, there seems to be a spiritual illness in our nation. You know, you look at what happened in Wisconsin, and if you just examine the, the evidence and the charges against Rittenhouse, many people would concur um, that justice was served. He was not on trial for being in Wisconsin. He was on trial for the charges that were levied against him, uh, hom reckless homicide. And so it's important that we respect our rule of law. And then you look at places where they're going in stores in Louis Vuitton, 80 people in masks, breaking in the stores, stealing and looting, other stores, 20, 30 people going to the stores looting. Have you ever seen a time like this in America? Is it spiritual illness? Is it chaos? Is it one party or the other? What do you attribute it to? There is a, a movement afoot, unfortunately, and I think it's to just destroy America in some form or fashion. It is to get rid of civil society and to put in a different society. Antifa is alive and well. And unfortunately, the media, which should be helping to root out this kind of behavior, is telling us that, for example, we don't see what we see. You recall when there was fire in front of the CNN building, and the reporter was telling us that it's just a little, it's just a little civil disunrest, whatever. But behind the reporter, the building is burning. And you're trying to figure out why are they, why, why is the media complicit in trying to tell us we don't see what we see? And it's because I think it comes from a certain side of the aisle, a political aisle, and they don't want to say that these are their folks who are doing this, you know? So it, it's just a mess, and we've got to get a hold of it. Otherwise, we will destroy ourselves from within. Dr. Carson, um, have you ever seen a time like this that exists? Yes, I've seen a time like this in other countries, uh, as they, like Venezuela most recently, uh, which used to be really quite a happy place. I've visited there many times, beautiful hotels and resorts and shops, museums. People were very happy. The biggest argument they had was whether they were the most beautiful people in the world. And you see how quickly things devolved. And uh, what's going on in our country right now is there's a, a faction that doesn't like the way we do things, doesn't like what we stand for, and they would prefer to have the utopian type of government as they see it, where the government takes care of you from cradle to grave, but you give them all power. That, of course, is antithetical to the American model that is based on the people. And uh, it's supposed to be up for and by the people. The government is supposed to work for the people, uh, not vice versa. But if you want to change that, you have to first create a desire for change, which means you have to get people to believe that the system is terrible. Uh, that is systemically racist, that uh, it is evil, and uh, 
if you can get enough people to believe that, then you can generate the momentum for change. You know, you know, um, Lieutenant Governor-elect Sears, obviously you were, you were elected to office many, many um, years ago, and because of family tragedy, you decided to step down and be there for your children. Obviously, you decided to come back again, and this time you won a statewide election, making Commonwealth history as the first African woman ever in the history of the Commonwealth to be elected lieutenant governor. Did you run because you did not see the change that you wanted in those elected officials? Did you run because you felt you had a better vision? Why, do you, why did you run, and what do you hope to accomplish now that you are Virginia's lieutenant governor-elect? I ran because I saw that our children were not being educated. I saw that there were opportunities and they weren't being afforded to those who were less advantaged. And I've always thought, and I've been taught, you can either light the candle or you can curse the darkness. To light the candle is to find a solution. To curse the darkness is to be a victim, and I'm not a victim. And I figured that I'm gonna get in the race and I'm gonna do what I can to make this world a little bit better. I know that education lifted my father out of poverty. So I know where to look when I look for the scores. The scores are horrendous. Black children, by the time they reach the eighth grade, 84% uh, of them in, in Virginia can't do math. 85% of them are functionally illiterate. Uh, for Latinos, it's 70%. For uh, white children, it's 45%. And Asian children, it's 35%. So clearly something is wrong. And it, I felt it was time to stop worshiping the brick building and give the money to the parents for the child so that the child can have a chance at life, a chance for a hope and a future, instead of continuing to throw money at a problem when it's clearly not working. So that's why I did it for the children, because something has to change and somebody has to care. You know, um, um, Lieutenant Governor-elect Sears' point is not just for Virginia, Dr. Carson, not just for mm -hmm. Baltimore, which is in the spotlight now. It's all over the country. Of course Those numbers are all over the country. And are they intentionally failing these kids? I don't know that it's in intentional. Uh, but the fact of the matter is you can take anybody from any environment, if you give them a good education, they write their own ticket in this society. And there, there seems to be more of an emphasis by many on victimhood, uh, oppressors and victimhood, rather than on what you can do. Uh, our country is a place of enormous opportunities. And uh, many of the people who we say have not benefited really have. Uh, there are a lot of people who say there's been very little progress made in the black community over the last several decades. That's not true. Uh, when I was a kid growing up and a black person came on television who was not in a servile role, it was a big deal. Everybody came to see what, what this was that was going on. And uh, today, it's no big deal. Today we have black admirals and generals and CEOs of Fortune 500 companies and presidents of universities, including Ivy Leagues. We've had president of the United States twice. Uh, Vice President of the United States, uh, almost any position that you can think of. So to say that there's been no progress is sticking one's head in the sand. Doesn't mean that we don't need to make more progress. And what we really need to do 
is, is help people to understand that we, the American people, are not each other's enemies and not fall victim to those who are fomenting hatred uh, in our society. And it's rampant throughout our society right now. And we just have to stop listening to them. Uh, Jesus said it first, a house divided against itself cannot stand. Abraham Lincoln repeated it. And it's absolutely as true today as it was then. Lieutenant Governor Sears, you know, you, you mentioned this. This is in your, the rich story of your family. Your father came to America with a dollar and 75 cents. There were times in your educational career you were so disappointed in the school system in the United States that you would go back to Jamaica during some summers and continue your education there because you thought the education system was better. What is it that needs to change in the American educational system that can benefit and lift all ties uh, of children so they can be educated and contributing citizens to this great melting pot of America? Well, it has to be competition. I tell you, I have a business, and I would love it if when you moved into my neighborhood, my zip code, you could only use my business. I would absolutely love it. That's the way it is in education. Uh, there is no accountability. You know, this is the school that you must attend based on your zip code. You have no other options. If the school is failing, then tough you know we'll throw some money at it and uh maybe you'll succeed maybe you won't you see there you don't have a choice now it is very interesting that part of the argument that the other side uses against giving parents the ability to choose the school that their children should attend is that it's public monies being going towards private schools but think about this in the pre-k arena we have public monies going to private schools. We fund that as the public, as the taxpayer. And then when you look at the university level, the college level, we have public monies that go to private schools, private universities. Imagine if you were to tell a parent that your child, when it comes to college, university, could only attend the college closest to their zip code. No, it wouldn't stand, would it? Of course it wouldn't. So you see the, their arguments on the other side of the political aisle, it's hollow. It is hollow. And it is time for us to give parents the ability to choose whatever schools they want their child to attend. It's very um, fascinating, um, um, Lieutenant Governor Alex Spears. You know, you people forget that your toughest run was in the primary um, earlier in the year um, before you got into the general election. But I know for a fact that you had a great challenge raising money and BAMPAC was the first to give you seed money. And even then, you didn't raise a lot of money. You didn't have ads all over television. And yet, even in your own party, in your own party, the Republican Party, you did not get the support that you felt you deserved, but you still found the way the sojourn on, and you found the way to win. Talk about that part of your journey, because it's a true story. Well, I tell you that um, it's not that I didn't get support. It's just that most of the money was gone by the time I had a house, and then I didn't really know who to call. You know, I'm coming back after 20 years of being gone. 
So it's not as if I'm a known entity anymore. And the Democrats are, you know, very heavily uh, outnumber us here in Virginia. So it didn't look like I was a sure bet. Not that anybody's ever a sure bet, but, you know, the chances of me winning was slim and none. But I believe that if I had, you know, spoken to enough people, told them who I was and what I was about, that they would give me a chance. And I just believe that. And I figured that word of mouth would be very helpful. And in fact, it was. And I've got to tell you, there were many times I resorted to prayer. I prayed the prayers that David prayed, which was, Lord, please let my opponent's uh, commercials not be helpful. I just, you know, and uh, it turns out that some of them, they were not helpful to her because hers were so awful against me that uh, it forced people to go to my website. And I heard many people say they never heard about me until my opponent spoke about me in such grievous terms that they had to find out if what she said was true. But you know, it's all water under the bridge now. And I'm here, I'm gonna represent all of I'm gonna make sure that I am nonpartisan, but I do that I do the very best that I can for all Virginians. I'm gonna represent public party reform for everybody. So Dr. Carson, I know you have the Carson Scholarship. I know education is a big, big um, deal for you. What do you think the issue is? Is it is are the teachers? Is it the teachers' union? Uh, is it that they don't believe that every child can learn? Obviously, it's not always the lack of resources. Well, I think it's because people don't put the emphasis in the right place. The emphasis should be on what we can do, not what we can't do, not what we have done in the past. Uh, there's so much potential that exists in every child. If you have a normal brain, you can do almost anything. Billions and billions of neurons, hundreds of billions of interconnections, your brain can process more than two million bits of information per second. It's a matter of putting the right material in front of that brain and helping them to absorb it. Instead of teaching, you know, critical race theory, why don't we teach critical math theory and critical history and critical English and critical all the things that you need in order to be successful in our society. And I think some people have gotten a little bit off track and uh, forgotten what the real purpose of the educational system is. One of the things that I think is, is really particularly important is if you go back and you look at the early, uh, the beginnings of this nation, uh, there was an enormous emphasis on education, just enormous. and. Uh, People, by the time they finished the sixth grade, for the most part, were considerably more literate than they are these days. And that's because the emphasis was in the right places. It made a big difference for how rapidly our country was able to elevate itself in the, in the world. Is there anything that this current, I know there's so much criticism of this new administration, just every aspect. And I'm part of that criticism. So let me just be clear on that. But there's anything that this administration is doing that you feel good about and that you emphasize? Because I know you're running uh, the American Cornerstone now mm -hmm. um, and you sort of divorce yourself from politics. Is there anything, you know, the Bible tells us if you find something good, praise it. Have you found anything good? Boy, that's a tough one. <laughs> that's a tough one. Um, let's just hope that, um, that they 
come to something good at some point. I mean, when you look at all the things that were happening before, we were energy independent. Uh, we had some semblance of order uh, at the border. Uh, the economy was strong. Uh, you know, inflation was low. Uh, things were moving in the right direction. And now it seems like we've reversed virtually all those things in record time. Um, but it doesn't mean that we shouldn't pray for our leaders and, uh, you know, do everything we can to, to, to hope for success. You know, just the whole, the whole concept of all the things that are going on, we were looking for some good things that have happened in the current administration and trying to identify what they could possibly be. And um, it, it's a tough, that was a tough question. But I think they mean well. The problem is that what we're faced with right now is something that we really haven't been faced with before. In the past, Democrats and Republicans, they wanted the same thing. They have very different approaches for how to get there, but they wanted the same thing. Now we have a situation where one side wants traditional American values and the other side really wants to change things. Uh, and they want a government-centric society as opposed to a people-centric society. So those are two things that are pretty diametrically opposed. And, and I think that may account for some of the, the rancor that's going on in our society today. Talk about um, why uh, the, this administration has lost so much support in the down ballot. Just to start with, with your election cycle and, and the governor-elect Glenn Youngkin, this has been happening. Is it that they're out of touch with the American people? I mean, you have people like Manchin and Cinema, who's not going to support his back, his, his, they're just not going to support it. What is it that in that budget? You once served in the legislature. What is in there that has people so riled up? <laughs> if I knew, <laughs> I, I could talk about it. But, you know, the thing is this big. It, nobody knows what's really in it, you know, including the people who are voting for it. And, and that's a travesty all in, all in itself. You are voting on something that could possibly change our lives forever, and yet you don't know what's in it. You, you, you can't say that you've done your due diligence. I can tell you that in our election in Virginia, it was all about the bread and butter issues, you know, education being one. How dare you tell me that I am not responsible for the education of my child? Mm -hmm. You stay out of it. Isn't that why we elect school boards? We, we make the choice in who we want to have on the school boards making certain decisions as our representatives. And if we don't like it, we're going to vote you out. The Virginia Constitution tells us that we, as parents, uh, have the, uh, the right to raise our children to, to, to decide their upbringing. We don't need the Constitution to tell us that, now do we? Absolutely. We know. That's our right. We birthed those children. We gave life to those children. They're our children. They don't belong to the government. Otherwise, this would not be America. This would be a different country altogether. So we stuck to those issues that the people cared about. For example, defunding the police. Stupidest thing I ever heard. Of course it is. Who wants to defund the police? Who are you going to call when you're being assaulted? Who are you going to call when they're breaking into your home? Now, we understand that there are bad apples in the police profession. There are bad apples in every profession. Bad doctors, 
bad lawyers, <laughs> bad teachers, bad police. We'll get rid of the bad apples and run with the good. We need some more training, yes. There are mental health issues that we need to understand, yes. But you know, we have to remember that when you're running away from the violence, the policemen are running towards it. And, logic and, and logic and common sense, that seems to be the thing that has been lost recently. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, from a whole variety of different aspects, you go to things like COVID. Mm -hmm. um, we've known for hundreds of years the importance of natural immunity, how effective it is. Now, all of a sudden, natural immunity? What is that? You know, the, that's, what, that's the federal government's response to it even though it's considerably more effective than vaccinations. And, you know, when we start, you know, creating policies that have no resemblance to things that make sense, we get a lot of confusion, we get a lot of resistance, you know, people are being painted as bad people because they won't get a vaccine. I think people would be happy to get a vaccine if you were honest with them, mm -hmm. if you level with them, and if you allow them to make that decision with their health care provider. See, the problem with this mm -hmm. discussion, and I saw you on the State of the Union recently, mm -hmm. um, it's a trap. Because mm -hmm. you're not saying that the vaccine does not work. No. You're not saying that it has not been effective. Mm -mm. You're not saying don't get the vaccine. You're just saying let it be your choice. Mm -hmm. Consult with your doctor. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Consult with yourself. Make that decision for yourself. Mm -hmm. It shouldn't be demanded upon anyone. And whether someone asks you whether you're vaccinated or not, I don't care. That's your choice. Mm -hmm. That's your freedom. And so I think what happens sometimes is you find yourself where they're trying to paint you in this corner. And I want you to clarify that because I saw that mm -hmm. recently. And that's mm -hmm. not what you're trying to say. It doesn't matter what I say if I am not of the same political persuasion as whoever is asking the question on the other side, I think, because they have a certain mindset, and that's what they want to hear, and if they don't hear it, then that means you're a radical, uh, you're mm -hmm. you know, not worthy to be listened to, your views don't matter, and they're not going to tolerate it. And then they, they finger point. So what I've always said is, get the vaccine. Get the vaccine. Um, but if you're not going to get the vaccine, mask up, do the spacing, but, you know, I just want to know. I just really want to know. Uh, if you already have the vaccine and you are fully masked, then why do I have to wear a mask? You've got the vaccine. It's supposed to protect you. Why do I need to be fully masked? And another thing is, if I've already gotten COVID, why do I need to get the vaccine? I've already had it. The, vac the COVID vaccine is supposed to prevent me from getting exactly. COVID. But I have had COVID. Why should I get the vaccine? The it doesn't make any sense. Questions from the press, because they are in the studio tonight. And, you know, I'm a member of that press, so I show great respect and deference to that fourth estate. Here's a question for you. Should students who are vaccinated be required to wear masks all day at school? And what's your advice to parents for holding their local schools accountable? Parents should always hold their local schools accountable. I've already explained that schools are accountable to the parents. It's the parents that elect them. Um, now, I have visited uh, private schools, and believe it or not, in Virginia, private schools have been open five days per week for a whole year. They have figured it out. 
they have been open more than, what, 19 months mm -hmm. now? Never closed. And so I asked one of them, the headmaster, how did you do it? Didn't you have COVID? Yes, Winston, we had COVID issues. The child that had COVID, we sent them home and we kept going. Never shut down. Why? Because he said, if we shut down, the whole school shuts down and we shut down fully. We probably never will open again. And he said, we don't get paid to stay home. So if you can figure it out at the private school level, then why not public schools? And so what has happened now is private school children have gone further ahead, right? And, and the, the public school kids have missed, missed out yet again. So that's why we need competition in schools. Uh, uh, is, there has been quite a bit made over, uh, we talked about this with the vaccination status. Do, do you think, um, this is an interesting question because I want to get into this by the way. Does she think her election will inspire other black Republicans to run for elected office in Virginia and around the country? I hope so. Uh, because, you know, I'm taking the brunt of what's happening. That's cool. I love it because finally we are talking about the things that matter. Why do you vote the way that you vote? Have you considered that you're just voting along a party line that you really don't believe when you delve into the issues? It looks nothing like what your beliefs actually are. And I'm willing to be, you know, whatever the punching bag, whatever it is that they're doing, because there's certain parts of the population um, that want to change. As I've said, there's some of us who want to leave Egypt. If you want to stay in Egypt, that's fine. But the rest of us want to go. We're going to go, and we're not asking you to let us go. We're just going to go. It's a very good point. Because we're adults. Yeah. We're adults. And this is a free country. And, you know, I want what, I, I, you know, you, you see a white person on the road walking. You don't know if they're a Democrat, Republican, Libertarian, Green Party, Reform. You don't know what they are. But I see you. You're a Democrat. I'm a Democrat. He's a Democrat. What kind of political power is that? None. None. And uh, unfortunately, uh, a lot of black people tend to toe the line because they don't want to be ostracized. Mm -hmm. They don't want to be called names. But fortunately, a lot of people are starting to break that mold mm -hmm. now. A lot mm -hmm. of people are starting to think for themselves and not be afraid. Mm -hmm. And look at the things that are really going to be helpful for them, like school choice. You know, uh, education is the key to success. And it's not necessarily about one's skin color, because if you look at Ghanaians and Nigerians in America, there is no wealth gap there. Mm -hmm. But what do they emphasize? Education, Education and family. Mm -hmm. And mm -hmm. uh, we need to get back to emphasizing those very same things, too. You know, that's, that's what my mother emphasized. Well, you talk about family, and if, as we say, that the family is the foundation of society, well, then, if we look at the microcosm of the black family, can we see why we are in such dire straits? 70% of black children exactly. are born into single-parent homes. Where is the father? Mm -hmm. Something's got to change. And as I've said um, before, when you look at the Tulsa race riots, mm -hmm. horrendous thing that happened to us. Right. But let's ask ourselves, this was after the Civil War. They had zero. They started with zero. How did they, they amass that kind of wealth to even have something to fight over? Exactly. They didn't get their 40 acres and a mule. Mm -hmm. 
why is no one talking about that? So if those people can succeed after the Civil War, then what is our issue here today? Why can't we do the same thing? We can and we will, but it starts with education. You know, I, I must mention this, okay. Um, I, I think it's so important that this audience understands that you're not speaking as a black person. You're speaking as someone who's had experiences hmm. all your life. And that there's no such thing as some talking point you're speaking because this is how the man want you to speak. <laughs> These are your beliefs. Mm -hmm. This is what you've known all your life from your parents. You know, you hear, oh, he's speaking like the man. They're talking, I mean, sell out. I mean, that is so demeaning to where you've had to come from to be where you are today. And you need to, people need to understand, it's not just about race to you. It's about that you care, you come from a culture of education, you come from a culture of discipline, a culture of sacrifice, a culture where you believe in God, yeah. first and foremost, and you yeah. don't apologize for that faith. No. See, here's the thing. If you tell a black child that they're oppressed, they're victims, it kills that spark, that God-given spark in them to want to explore, to want to do mm -hmm. great things. You know, you're a victim, you'll never be anything unless I help you to get there, and these are the people over here, they're trying to stop you. And so they, they walk around with this victim on them. I think not, exactly. absolutely not. I used to hear that all the time mm -hmm. when I was a kid growing mm -hmm. up in Detroit and Boston. You can't make it, you have all these obstacles, all these people are against you. And then when I started reading all those books about explorers and surgeons and entrepreneurs and scientists, and I begin to understand that the person who has the most to do with what happens to you is you. Is you. <laughs> it's not somebody else. It's the man in the mirror. And, and so we can achieve. We can do that. The opportunity is there. People have come from other countries, and they've made good. My father again, $1.75. And if people say, well, you're a token, how? Do you know how I got my first college degree? I put one of my, my last baby on the back of my husband's um, bicycle, you know, in the bike seat, took her to daycare, dropped her off so that I could go to school. When I started college, I had three children under five, my husband and I. He had already had his degree. He took a lower paying job so he could be home more so that I could go to school. I know that of which I speak. Was it easy? No. But you know, nothing I have has ever been just given to me. I've had to work for it. Mm -hmm. Other people have had to work for it. I have talked to people in public housing now. They're working two and three jobs to put their children in private school because they say the public school isn't educating them. I know uh, there was a politician recently who was asked about, well, if we give you, asked the, 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 the public housing parent, if we give you the money to go to for your child to go to private school, how will they get there? She said, you let me worry about that. If I have to get another job, I will. Parents want the best for their children. They want their children to be more than they had. Why should we deny the child the future because you're afraid that she's gonna take the money, he's gonna take the money and, and send the child to private school? Rich people have that opportunity, why can't Poor people have that same opportunity. Homeschooling has increased dramatically, particularly mm -hmm. in the black community, mm -hmm. which I think is a fabulous thing. Uh, let me mention this. You know, there is uh, an addiction in our society now 
Our young people are addicted to their cell phones. <laughs> They're addicted to education. Not just young people. Yes, yeah, some are addicted <laughs> to porn. It's just, it seems as though there's just such a spiritual malaise in this country. That's such an addiction. I mean, I, we read this report recently where over 100,000 people died from overdoses, mm -hmm. suicide, fentanyl, dying. You dealt with mental illness early on. I don't want to talk about that because I know it's very emotional for you, mm -hmm. uh, how you lost your child and two grandchildren. But you've been there. Mm -hmm. How do we, from your experience, how do we help these babies and these adults get away from these ad addictions that are just killing them? There's something happening in our families, and we've got to get the families back together. Parents have to be parents, and we can't, you know, say to our children, everybody gets a prize. You're, you know, mm -hmm. we, you, you go to a birthday party, and you get a present, but it's not your birthday. Right. Then we've got parents that they're, they're always over their child. The child can't ever skin the knee, you know, because, they, you know, the baby can't, you know, uh, have any bruises or anything come out of the tree. We've just become so overprotective. I wonder how we made it to this age because, you know, I have fallen out of trees enough time because I was a tomboy, you know. Uh, <laughs> I hated dolls. Well, we've, we've left our faith behind. That's been a that big too. part of it. That too. And at, at American Cornerstone, you know, four principles, faith, liberty, community, and life. And it's our Judeo-Christian values that teach us how to relate to each other. It says, love your neighbor, mm -hmm. not cancel your neighbor mm. if they don't agree with you. And, you know, as we've moved away from those beliefs about helping others, about being kind, even if somebody disagrees with you, uh, it's been replaced by pure evil. And then we look at society, and right is wrong now. You know, you can't call a spade a spade anymore because then they call you names. They say you're intolerant. When tolerance, they define it as whatever they agree with. Right. And if they don't agree with you, then you're wrong and they're right. Um, and they're going to fix you. And the way they fix you is, is by throwing you in a box somewhere. I don't understand that. Uh, you know, we, we're just not allowed to be anymore. Can, can I just be? Can I just be who I want to be? If you want to be that, be that. You made history. You know, we've gotten so bogged down in the issues, and I, I want us to come back to this on your voice and your future. You're the first woman mm -hmm. who happened to be black to ever be elected lieutenant governor in the Commonwealth of Virginia. Mm -hmm. I mean, have you absorbed that? Well, I've been running for it since January, you know, and I passed the first hurdle, which was the convention, and then we had to get the general, and uh, that was November. And now I still have to wait until January 15th to be sworn in, and then I have to wait another two days after that before I finally get the gavel to bring the Senate to order. So I just want to help, you know, I just want to serve. It doesn't feel any different. It's, um, it's an opportunity for me to, to serve the people. And I keep saying serve because that's what I wanted to do. I told you the reason I got in was to do something about education because our children aren't learning. Now, what is history for me is that a black lieutenant governor is passing the baton to another black lieutenant governor. 
So he's a Democrat, and I'm a Republican. He is male. I'm female. I mean, that has never happened before. Mm. So that, on its face, is progress. That in the former capital of the Confederacy, mm -hmm. a black lieutenant governor is handing the baton to another black lieutenant governor. Don't tell me this is 63 when my father came and we couldn't, you know, live where we want and all exactly. that good stuff. We, we've come a long way. Now, we have a saying in the black church, we may not be what we're supposed to be, but we ain't what we used to be. And that's America. She may not be what she's supposed to be, but we've certainly come far from 1963. You know, I want to mention this here, I, before I go back to the good doctor. People fell in love with you with that big gun. <laughs> uh, and it, there were a lot of messages there. Yeah. Second Amendment, but people forget, you're a soldier. A Marine. A Marine. A Marine. But a soldier still. Uh, no, no, a Marine. A Marine. A Marine. Okay, a Marine. <laughs> you Marine. You know something about those guns. I do. That was part of your life. I had to pull that thing down in uh, under two minutes, all the way down to the counterpin. You have look when you join the Marines or any branch of the service, they tell you this is your best friend. Your rifle is your best friend because mm -hmm. that's what's going to keep you alive. Mm -hmm. So you know how to use it. But having said all that. Do they not know that the fastest growing gun owners in, not Virginia, in the entire United States are what? women? And who? <laughs> Black women. So who's gonna come get our guns? Really, we're not giving them up. And you hear so much against Black people with guns where the only time you ever see it is, be, is when there's some crime committed. Can we show Black people with guns who are law-abiding, who have it for protection. Can we do that? And by the way, the very first gun, confisca gun confiscation laws were against black people. Do you know who was denied a concealed carry permit? Martin Luther King Jr. wanted to have a gun and was denied it. And do you know why? They said he had bad moral character. Imagine that. So, and, no, and we're not giving up And you can go all the way back guns. to the post-slavery period mm -hmm. when mm -hmm. they tried to keep guns out of the hands of the freedmen, mm -hmm. and it was the Republican Party that came to their aid. All right, now. But don't let history get in the way. <laughs> <laughs> what do you, what would you like to do as lieutenant governor? Well, first and foremost, I want any child to look at me and, and realize, wait a minute, if Winsome is there, I can do that too. She came from another country, another culture, and she's second in command. That means I can do it too. I don't want them to think I did anything special, anything out of the ordinary because they won't attempt it. Uh, they need to know all I did was stay in school and study. That's it, stay in school and study. And then the paths opened up for you because you have to be prepared. I wanted to be an attorney. How am I gonna get there? I've gotta get a law degree. You know, we used to read for the law, some people still do that. But if you're gonna get somewhere, you've got to be prepared for it. And I started later in life, with children even. So no one can say, I can't do it. I remember someone, a friend of mine said, you know, I wanna, I wanna be an architect, but I'll be 40. And I said, well, if you're gonna be 40 anyway, why don't you just go ahead and be the architect? Exactly. You know, just do it. So that's the first thing. And, and then I wanna be about changing hearts and changing minds. 
and I want to show people what true servant leadership looks like. You know, I don't ever see, you know, any politician come and ask me for my vote until, you know, it's time for an election. You, you can set your clock by them. Must be four years time for an election, huh? I want them to understand that we are the ones who have the power. We the citizens and we give you our power to make certain decisions on our behalf. Mm -hmm. And when we don't like the decisions you make, we are going to take our power from you and elect someone else. That's how this works. You look at the organizational chart of the government of Virginia, for example, and the citizens of Virginia, the residents, are at the very top. Underneath that comes the governor, the lieutenant governor, the attorney general, the legislature, the Supreme Court, and then everybody else on down. That's how it works. We, the people, are at the top, and then we elect those under us. We are not under the government. The government is under us. That is so important a point because what people don't understand is the reason that our founding fathers worked so hard on our Constitution is because they recognize what governments do. Governments grow, infiltrate, and control. Mm -hmm. That's what they naturally do. Just like a lion kills gazelles and eats them. That's what mm. they do. They're not bad animals. That's mm -mm. what they do. That's what governments do. Mm. So you needed a constitution in the hands of the people to control the government. That's what our constitution is there for. Mm -hmm. You know, there's one thing you cannot ignore that the sleeping giant, the American people, have awakened. COVID has awakened to them what's going on in the classroom with their kids, the explicit sexual material that's being mm. taught. Mm and that textbooks, um, this transgender movement, and not, no one is against people and their preference. They just want to make sure that their kids are not in the same bathroom with, with men mm. who can do harm to their kids. Parents mm. want to protect their kids. Mm. Uh, it's not, it doesn't have to be us versus them, but the point is they're wide awake now, mm. and you can see it spreading all across this country. And it's not just liberals and conservatives mm -mm. and Republicans. It's just the American people are waking. It's, a, it's reflected in the polls. And the media is in a state steps, in a tailspin trying to understand why Biden's numbers continue to drop. But I want to bring you to this point. This is going to put you on the spot. Does it not dishearten you to see such an educated former attorney general for the state of California, United States Senator, presidential candidate, a black woman, Kamala Harris, and all that she's accomplished, obviously she's been reduced to the sidelines by this administration. It's just obvious. How does that make you feel? I think she has to come to terms with what's happening to her. If she says nothing is happening, then I guess we're supposed to assume nothing is happening. If our eyes are deceiving us, then I guess that's what's happening. Um, you know, she was elected based on certain factors and you know she's been given certain opportunities to make certain things better but we're not hearing anything about those and you know if 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 the democrats are saying that they love everybody more than anybody else then we have to ask where's the love for kamala that's what we have to ask she's the one who's going to have to answer that she's the one who's feeling the love or the lack thereof Dr. Carson, if you had to give President Biden some advice today, what would it be? I would tell him to stop being so political and think about what's good for America, 
what's good for the American people, what has worked in the past, and uh, what can work today. You know, to just throw things out because the previous administration was doing them, you know, that's very third grade. Uh, you know, no offense to third graders, but I mean, it is really sad that we have degenerated to the point where because they were doing it, even though it was working, I don't want to do it. That's infantile behavior. You know, I saw an early tweet of yours after January 6th. You know, I was inside the Capitol during January 6th. I was mm -hmm. there. Mm -hmm. I saw that chaos. I saw that craziness. But you say, guys, this is not how we do it. Mm -mm. We're mm -mm. better than this. Yeah. You condemned it from the start. From the beginning. And I took flack for it. You know, I mean, look, wrong is wrong. You don't break in the, in, in, into the Capitol. You, you don't distress people. You, you don't cause people to fear for their lives. You don't do that. I mean, after all is said and done, you're breaking all this stuff. Who's going to pay for that? That's our tax money that has to pay for that. Um, we use the ballot box to make the changes. I have seen what happens when you dislike what's happening in your government. I have seen people thrown into, in, in, into the back of trunks, bullet full of bullet holes. I've seen that when I was a kid. That's not what we want here in America. So I could never have agreed with January 6th, never. And yet, the other side has put, put out uh, advertising, commercials that said I was the leader of part of that. <laughs> this is the kind of stuff that we have to ask ourselves. Who in their right minds would believe this when I'm on record as saying you don't do this? I wish that there could be some kind of law that we could put forward that would say your commercials have to be honest. They just have to be. You can't just lie <laughs> about people and well, destroy people politically just yeah. so you can win a political Well, a few weeks office. ago, a bunch of people broke into the Department of the Interior, pushed past the guards. Mm. You didn't hear anything about it, did you? No, I, I never heard that. Yeah, because, uh, you know, they were leftist. Oh, well. <laughs> and, you know, as someone who's a part of the Fourth Estate, we should always be the referees. We should always yeah. be neutral, show all sides and let people come to their own conclusion. But much respect for you, because I know you did say that, guys, this is not right. This yeah. is not who we are. You condemned it in the beginning. And I do know that report was out there. Listen, congratulations to you. Thank you. You got a lot of work ahead. Well, I thank Virginians for taking a chance on me. And if you didn't vote for me, give me a call. And I'm going to love on you because I'm going to show you that I aim to be the best lieutenant governor you've ever had. Thank you for listening to this week's episode.